I wonder if the Jordan River didn't look a little bit like that promised land doesn't, the edge of it doesn't look a little bit like that. I've never, never been to Israel. I hope to go there sometime. So there was this oil company in Texas, and they had this big, huge oil well fire, and they could do nothing to put it out. Red Adair had attempted it, and uh, he just couldn't pull it off. And there was this little Swedish rural fire company that volunteered to come in and put out this fire. So they're waiting for them to come, and all of a sudden, here comes this rural fire truck loaded with Swedes coming up the dirt road, and it comes up the road, blows right past the command uh, tent, uh, past all of the firemen, all of the, all of the trucks, and it drives right into the middle of the fire. And the firemen all jump off the truck and they start beating down the fire with their jackets and they put the fire out. Now, they had offered a $50,000 reward to any fire department that could put this fire out. And so when they went to, uh, to present the chief of this Swedish fire department the check for $50,000, um, the, the guy said, what do you intend to do with the money? And, and the, the chief said, well, first of all, we will have to fix the brakes on that truck. <laughs> uh, you got to leave it to the Swedes, right? So, you know, when we start a journey... And, and this is a journey, we, we are on a journey of all kinds at all different times in our life, different kinds of journeys. And when we start one of those, there's often moments of fear and anxiety and, and doubt and concern. And do I know where I'm going? Do I know what I need to do? Unexpected turns come up. Uh, mechanical failures are inevitable. New experiences and challenges that we know are just around the corner. You know, I never went on one mission trip as a youth pastor where we did not have a mechanical failure of some kind in a bus or a van. We, we went to Denver one time in the church van, and I thought, this is going to be great. It's only three hours away. There aren't going to be any mechanical failures. Halfway between here and Cheyenne, the fuel pump goes out of the van. I mean, it's like God wanted to teach us something every time, something specific every time we went on a trip. And one of the ways in which he taught us was through mechanical failure. Sometimes we wonder if we'll even be able to survive some of these experiences and some of these journeys that we're on. I mean, 2020, right, so far seems like it's been a, 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 a lifetime of experiences already. Uh, we, we have different journeys. We have car journeys. There are experience journeys. There's marriage journeys. You know, when you first get married, you're starting out on this journey, and there's, there's all sorts of unknowns in the future. And then you add children to the mix, and then it becomes a family journey. There are school journeys. There are education journeys. There are age journeys. There are illness journeys. And there are consequence journeys. I mean, life is a journey, right? It's an adventure with ups and downs the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. I tried to find a good version of that. It, some of you are like, I recognize that from somewhere. Um, some of us older folks in the crowd today, not only do we remember who the little life boy was, who, if you saw that this week, um, at the beginning of ABC's Worldwide Sports, right, you, you hear the guy saying, spanning the globe to bring you the constant variety of sports, 
the thrill of victory, and then as you see that, uh, that uh, skier going down, and the agony of defeat, and they show him just absolutely wipe out. Our mission statement here at North Hills says this, we want to grow as followers of Christ, and we want to invite others to join the adventure. You see, the Christian faith, walking with Jesus, is an adventure. I ran into a, well, actually, when I student taught in a, before I got my teaching degree uh, at a school, one of the students, I, I ran into him uh, at Ty's Pit Stop this week, and uh, he said, are you staying out of trouble, David? I said, well, absolutely, I'm staying out of trouble. And he goes, well, that's no fun. And I said, well, actually, it is. And he sort of stared at me for a little bit like he didn't know what to say. <laughs> Life with Jesus Christ is absolutely fun. It is an adventure. And don't believe anybody that tries to convince you otherwise. It is amazing. It's, it's a part of our journey to grow as followers of Christ, first surrendering our heart to Jesus Christ as our loving Savior with uh, giving him everything that we have and then growing up, inviting others to be a part of that adventure. That includes loving our neighbors as ourselves. And it also, of course, includes loving God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We're stretched by challenges and experiences. It is truly a great adventure. Now, today we're starting in the book of Joshua, and Israel was on a tough journey. Um, Israel, you could say, was on the world's longest funeral march. It lasted 40 years. They are now sitting at the edge of the Jordan River a second time. The nation has been here before. because God brought them here, said, I'm going to give you the promised land. And they said, eh, I don't think we can do it. I don't think we can go in. And uh, there were two of the, the spies that they sent in to check out the land who said, yes, absolutely. God said we can do it. Let's do it. But the rest of them said no. And because of their unbelief, 40 years God had them wandering in the desert. Not one of them would enter the promised land who was standing at the, the shore that original day 40 years previously, except for except for one man, and we're going to be looking at his life today. After 40 years, Moses is dead, and it's now time for God to finally give his people the promised land. And, and I'm sure Joshua wasn't worried, right? I'm sure there were doubts and concerns and worries. I mean, he's only filling the shoes of the most humble man on the planet, the one whose staff parted the Red Sea who called down manna from heaven and water from a rock, the one who confronted Pharaoh and eventually was given freedom to millions from the bondage of slavery. No, I bet there was some doubt in Joshua's mind, some question as to whether he was up to the task, just like sometimes in our life there's doubt and we wonder, can I actually accomplish this? I'm convinced that God is calling me to this, but I, I don't know if I can do it or not. Now, we need to remember that Moses' rise of influence had some pretty humble beginnings. Remember what Moses said when God first called him? Uh, I, I don't think I'm the guy, right? Remember that? I don't think I can do this, Moses said. I can't speak very good. I, I'm not good at communicating. The people probably won't listen to me. And the Pharaoh, is he going to listen to me, really? I mean, that's just crazy. But what happened? Moses did. 
And God did through him what he wanted to do. And Joshua's, the, the message from Joshua is no different. The message to you and to me is no different. We all need to hear this this morning. It doesn't matter where you are on, the, on your journey of life or what this year or this decade has thrown at you. God says this, be courageous, be strong. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 1 if you haven't already. And let's read verses, uh, I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. It's page 208 in the Bible underneath the seats. If you're not familiar with the Bible, just turn to page 208. Maybe you're sitting in a front row and you need a Bible. There's got to be one behind you. Just go grab it. It's not going to be up on the screen this morning. Follow along. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to your forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. We're going to see four reasons today out of this passage that we can be strong and courageous on this journey of life that we are on. And the first reason this morning is that God call, God's call directs us. God's call directs us. After the death of Moses, verse 1, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River. Joshua is God's man for the job. He, God has trained him up. He has done what he needs to do in his life. He has given him experiences throughout his lifetime to be able to be in the moment. Joshua, Joshua was Moses' aide. He probably carried his luggage around the desert. He was close to him. He was nearby when Moses received the Ten Commandments. It says in Exodus 24, 13, and now if the last 40 years weren't adventure enough, he was called to fill the shoes of Moses. You know, Jesus' disciples experienced this on a, on a daily basis. Jesus, was, uh, Jesus told them to go here and to go there. Jesus said, get in the boat and go across the lake. Go out two by two, gather up some food. After Jesus was gone and Paul was Saul, he received direction from Jesus. It not only saved Paul's soul, but it saved the souls of thousands and thousands in the entire continent of Asia. Many disciples and followers have been directed by God in dreams and visions and thoughts and circumstances. Philip uh, saw the Ethiopian eunuch reading a scroll and he went up to him to engage in a conversation with him. And we see, we know what happened there. The, 
the, the eunuch surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. And others along the way looked for open doors, and when they saw them, they walked through them. God has directed my life in a very similar way, and, and I've spoken to many, even in this last week, who, who can look back on their life and say, yeah, that moment was God. That moment was Him. He opened that door for me. He closed that door for me. I thought I was going to be a public school teacher the rest of my life. Well, originally, I thought I was going to be a farmer. And then God directed me, and, and I got my degree in secondary business education. I, I just knew I was going to be a teacher. I was good at it. Uh, my professor said, you know what, you're going to probably get to, one of them said this to me, you're going to get to choose what part of the country you teach in. You'll be offered many jobs. Guess what? I was told I was on the top of lots of lists. I didn't get one call. Not one. Was it because I interviewed terrible? I don't think so. Was it because I couldn't do a good job? I don't think so. It was because God didn't want me to be a teacher in the public school system. See, it turned out a little bit differently. For 27 years, I've been teaching, but not in the public school system. You see, God didn't close the get your education as a teacher door. That one was wide open, and as I walked through that one, he just closed the career door for teaching in the public schools and opened a different one. And I had to make a decision. Am I going to walk through that door or not? And let me tell you what, when I walked through that door... I, I felt terrible. I, I was scared. I was nervous. And I thought, well, maybe I, maybe, maybe I shouldn't do this. So I changed my mind and said, I'm not going to do this. And I felt even worse. So I, I decided that I would better go back to the original decision. You are here today probably because of the direction of God. You are where you are in your journey of life probably because of the direction of God. And I say probably because I pray you aren't here today because you've refused to walk through an open door that he's opened for you. Because life can get pretty sticky and miserable when we don't listen to God. Um, the Christian life is a great adventure. I wouldn't want to be on any other journey than with God. And we can live it, and I can live it with courage and strength because God's call is directing that. The second reason we can be strong and courageous is because God promises his presence. He promises his presence. That had to be music to Joshua's ears. I, I, I said he took a big deep breath in the video. What I should have said is he gave out a sigh of relief when God promised that he would be with him. Always. That he would never forsake him. Look, get ready. The end of verse 2. Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, God said. I will give you every place you set your foot at, promised. he promised to Moses. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Have I not directed you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Verse 5, God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I mean, that statement is repeated not just in the Old Testament, but all throughout the Scripture. Moses heard those words. If you, if you, you don't have to, but turn back a few pages into the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 31, verses 6, 7, and 8, God said this to Moses, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, be strong and courageous, for you must go with 
this people into the land that God swore to their forefathers to give them, and you must divide it among them as your inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you, and and he will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And you may be thinking to yourself, okay, Pastor David, I have never had God speak those words to me, and that's all fine for Joshua, and that's all fine for Moses and for other people that have heard that. But I've never been told that. I've never had God tell me that. Well, if you've never heard it, it's because you haven't been listening. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6 up here on the screen. There it is. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, this is to us, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid what can man do to me. Have courage, he will never leave us nor forsake us. This is written to the contemporary church. God's promises to us as well. It's God's solution for the sin of covetousness and discontent, which leads us to the great freedom of living our life without fear. There is nothing that should give us more confidence, nothing that should give us more courage than knowing and holding on to the promises of God that we read in Scripture. I will be with you. I will be with you in the good I will never forsake you, even in the midst of the bad, God tells us. What did Jesus say in Matthew 28? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. These are the words of Jesus. And surely, what? I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Remember what Paul said in Philippians? He's stuck in prison. He's choosing joy. Many times he rejoiced. Many times he was encouraged. Many times he, re- he chose joy. Why? How could he do this in the midst of uh, being thrown in jail for no reason other than to be proclaiming the name of someone? Because he was a strong man? I mean, was he just really positive? Because he he was self-confident? No, it's because he was focused on Jesus. He knew that God was with us. You see, we can be strong. We can be courageous because God guides us and directs us. And because God promises us his presence. And number three, because God informs us. God informs us. Where do we find the promises of God? Right here, right? Right? We need to know what God's laws are. We need to find them. He has provided us with all that we need. Verse 7 in Joshua chapter 1, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful where you go. Do not let this book of law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. He's talking about God's word so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, then you will be prosperous and successful. Um, Many of you listened to Keith Kautz's message last week at at, uh, Cheyenne Hills. If you you haven't, write that down. Go to Cheyenne Hills, listen to Keith Kautz's message. Um, 
He was talking about Daniel, uh, and, and we talked about this a few months ago, where Daniel was, what was he doing? He was searching the scriptures. <laughs> he was reading the book of Jeremiah. Not as a novel, not just to pass the time, but, but he, was, he was chewing on it. He was meditating on it. He was praying over it. God, help me understand this. That's that's what we do. That's how we are informed by God, by, by looking into his word. And we're all at different places. We all have sort of different understandings, and we may, we may approach it, and we think, well, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Well, don't be afraid to ask somebody to help you. I was there. We've all been there at one time in our life where we just, we just need a little bit of help. We need to have a conversation about it. God promised that he would be with us through everything. Nothing, he said, won't come true. Nothing. Nothing God says is a mistake. It was true for Joshua and the Israelites, and it's true for us today. Joshua 21, verse 43, says this, So the Lord gave Israel all the land he had sworn to give their forefathers, and they took possession of it and settled there. You see, he did exactly what he promised he would do. Now, there's lots of doubt and anxiety and struggle and, and concern in between chapter 1 and chapter 21. And we're going to work our way through that the rest of the summer. But at the end of Joshua's life, he said this. It's in Joshua 23, verse 14. Now, I am about to go the way of the earth. He's at the end of his life. You know with all your heart and soul that no, not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. Joshua was saying that to the nation of Israel. And we can all say that at the end of our life because, because it's true. We wrestle with it. We struggle with it. We we grab back control, we, we worry, we, it's part of the journey, it's part of being human, but at the end of our lives, we can say that every promise God fulfilled, He has given us everything we need for holiness, for life, for righteousness. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Sometimes we wish it, it looked brighter and it showed more of the path. Sometimes it's just how to take the next step. Our courage and strength is based on God's truth. It's, it's not made up confidence. It, it's not in deception. It's based on truth. Adrian Rogers tells about a man who bragged that he had cut off the tail of a man-eating lion with his pocket knife. And he was asked why he hadn't cut off the lion's head and his reply was, someone had already done that. <laughs> Deception, no, no. We put base our lives on truth. Our courage does not come from self-deception de or self-determination. It comes from the promises of God. Our courage it comes from God, and He is real. One summer evening during, during a violent uh, thunderstorm, a mother was tucking her small boy into bed. She was about to turn off the light when he asked with a tremor in his voice, Mommy, will you sleep with me tonight? The mother smiled and 
gave him a reassuring hug, and she said, I can't, dear. She said, I have to sleep with Daddy. There was a long silence, and it was broken by his shaken little voice saying, the big sissy. God doesn't say just suck it up. God doesn't just say be tough, you can do it. He says be strong and courageous because I am with you. It's because of Him, not because of us. It's because He is with us. He literally walks with us on this journey. So if you're facing something right now that you're just not sure you can make it through, if I could just encourage you to take your eyes off of that thing which you're struggling to get through and put your eyes on Jesus. If you have something in your future that is an unknown and it causes, it's causing anxiety and worry in your life, if I could just encourage you today to take your eyes off of that thing and hear the words of Jesus and, and God when he says, be strong and courageous because I because he, let's put our eyes on him. It's not because you are a strong individual. It's because Jesus is walking with you. Now, Tim told a little story. I've told a story. I want us to hear another story about how God has walked with someone. Let's listen to Brittany's story. Hey guys, it's Brittany. I just want to tell you guys a little bit about what God's been doing in my life lately. So as I've thought about and prayed about throughout the last year of what I want to do after I graduate with my bachelor's degree in social work, I've really been feeling God's direction and tugs at my heart. I've always wanted to pursue education further than my bachelor, and over these last two years of studying social work, I've known that a master of social work is the next step. And up until the beginning of January, I had only considered one school, and that was the University of Wyoming. It's cheap, close to home, and I already had a great community and support system built in. And it had my parents' approval, especially my dad's. As I continued to push away the thought of going to school anywhere else but UW, God really showed up. In January, after a long car ride to, campus, to a campus ventures retreat called Life Impact in Estes Park, Colorado, with a stranger from my college ministry, I felt the Holy Spirit opening my heart to other options. No other schools came to mind in particular until this stranger suggested a podcast to me. He spoke very, high, very highly of this podcast and began telling me of all the things he has learned from it. The podcast is called Becoming Something with Jonathan Pakluda by Harris Creek Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. So I queued a couple of the episodes from my ride home to Lingle. I began my drive home still on winter break so I had no plans or responsibilities hurrying me home. As I started the first episode of this podcast, I was spiritually challenged and inspired, like my faith and my fire to pursue Jesus was relit. I heard JP introduce himself, podcasting from Waco, Texas. I continued listening, but stopped momentarily to open a note on my phone to type, Waco, Texas? Thinking I would pray and open doors, thinking I would pray about open doors around the area following my grad school graduation. But the further I listened to the podcast, the more I was inspired and attracted to this Harris Creek Baptist Church. I recalled reading a book this last fall, After College, Navigating Transitions, Relationships, and Faith, by Erica Young writes. 
In one of the chapters, she challenges us to be open to the possibility of moving to a new town for a church, rather than trying to find a church after we settle into a new town. I thought, Harris Creek Baptist Church would be a church that I would move for. I began to research Waco, and one of the first things that came up on my Mac screen, after the Chip and Joanna Gaines fixer-upper links, was Baylor University, a, national, a nationally ranked Christian university. I clicked it and scrolled through its admissions options, followed by a click on the social work admissions tab, followed by some reading. The writing on this tab states, the Garland School of Social Work brings a distinctive faith-integrated approach to the educational experience, enabling students to prepare both professionally and spiritually to embrace their calling to model Christ's love to a hurting world. And that's what did it for me. That's what I've been longing for. That is what God has been calling me to social work, and faith. But I was not aware that there was this type of education as an option. And until God literally just plopped it in front of my face and said, look, I texted my mom and dad to begin praying for this option as I began the application process. And since then, I've been diligently and consistently praying about Baylor University being an option for my graduate school pursuits. And I continue to pray that God keeps this door open. In February, I received an, ex an acceptance letter from Baylor University's Graduate School of Social Work. And later that week, I received a denial letter from the University of Wyoming's Graduate School of Social Work. So UW's door was officially closed, and Baylor's was wide open. So if I wanted to continue pursuing grad school, I had to go to Baylor. And financially, wow, God has been providing. I knew it was going to be lots of money, it's a private school, and I likely would be making some loan payments after graduating, but I was still shocked at the end of June when I received my bill from Baylor. $24,000 for the fall semester. Baylor's School of Social Work was going to be offering me a big chunk of that through financial aid, but I was still not excited to owe so much money. I reached out to my internship supervisor to see if she had any other financial aid ideas, and I did remember her saying something about a potential grant we could be getting for our internship with something like an $800 a month stipend or something. So she replied to me soon after that, just two days, that just two days prior to my message, our internship had been officially approved for this grant. And this grant, come to find out, covers the whole year's tuition and provides me some money per semester to help cover other options, other expenses. We couldn't believe it. We were shocked and thankful and a bit confused. I told my parents and we all cried about it. How amazing and crazy and so clearly God at work is that. I wish I could say that we, if I may speak for my parents, patiently and faithfully waited and trusted God to do what he was doing throughout the process, but we didn't all the time. We were anxious and concerned at times, but as I look back, we didn't need to be. God has been opening and closing the doors, and all we've been doing is walking through them. And that's the kind of God that gives me the courage to walk into a door that I'm not sure what's on the other side. You see, God's call directs us. I mean, amen. Thank you, Brittany, for though it was under slight duress sharing your story uh, with us. I mean, there's no doubt, right, that God was directing her. Uh, and, and we would have been honestly thankful with $800 a month. What, whatever God was going to provide and whatever the future of, 
of paying that off or whatever that looked like. But, but honestly, we were, we were really blown away with how wide open that door. I mean, I was not happy when the University of Wyoming rejected my daughter. <laughs> I mean, seriously, right? But I think that was more, that closed door was more for me. So I would stop worrying about the, she should be going to a cheaper place than this one. Uh, then, then where she's going. God is going to take care. And I, I don't know what he has for you, Brittany, but it's, it's going to be pretty amazing. Um, God informs us from his word uh, through a connection with another person by closing this door or that door or a conversation or a book we read a couple months ago or a couple years ago and some statement that, that he brings to light and it helps us make a decision. And then finally, number four, let's live on promises, not on explanations. Uh, I received a phone call a while back from a parent. You see, they had a friend over in Laramie whose nine-year-old son had died, and and they'd been praying for this nine-year-old boy uh, to be healed for a month or so. A a round bale had rolled over the top of him, and and they were trying to keep him alive. And and this, this family was wondering how they could break this news to their children who have been praying for healing. And they're going to have to tell their children that the boy wasn't healed, but that he, he died. How do we answer their questions? How do we explain to them that God is still good? I mean, isn't that a question that we most often ask when we're faced with something that we don't understand or something that's excruciatingly difficult? It's hard. It hurts. Whether it's physically or emotionally or relationally. Explain it to me, we often say. Tell me why. Tell me how. But explanations often fall short. Now, last week we talked about needing to know truth and and needing to have explanations. But there are some things also where we have to depart from those explanations because oftentimes for really difficult things, there just aren't any. And we just have to come to the point where we just say, you know what, God is good, he has told me he is, and I just need to believe that. I just need to hold on to that. That's just the way it is. Now, Warren Wearsby gives five dangers of living in explanations and not promises, and we're going to go through these, and trust me, they're going to be really quick. Um, We can avoid those these dangers if we live on the promises of God and not on explanations. So here we go. The first one is this, the danger of looking back. We lose courage if we focus too much on past failures or things that we don't understand. It's like trying to drive a tractor straight when you're planting corn. I mean in the old days, okay? None of this new technology stuff today. You know, push the button and sit back and text your buddy or whatever. Um, in the old days, when we started a field, we had to pick something at the end of the field and look straight at it and drive right toward it. But if you found yourself constantly looking back, you ended up, your, your row ended up like this. You know, like my dad said, your cornrows are good because uh, they'll be really efficient because the rain won't run down them, they're so crooked. Um, that's sort of where I, I, I was early on. I needed technology. Sometimes we need to not look back. We just need to look straight ahead. And and we need to focus on the light, Jesus Christ, 
and not the shadow that's behind us. Now, that doesn't mean we ignore the past. Uh, If we don't learn from the past, we are bound, as some would say, to repeat it. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, Paul says this, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. It can be dangerous looking back. The second danger we encounter if we live on explanations rather than promises is the danger of standing still. True faith on the promises of God will only produce uh, fruit if there's motion in our lives. Joshua was promised by God that the land would be given over, but that required stepping forward and moving forward into into the nation, and we're going to see that in a couple weeks. Peter got out of the boat because he had faith in the words of Jesus. Jesus said, come to me. And Peter did. He walked on water. The other 11 disciples, they were sitting in the boat. In fact, I sometimes wonder if that's not why Peter got distracted and started to sink. I wonder if if one of the disciples didn't yell, hey, Peter, look out, that next wave is a big one. (laughs) If we constantly rely on explanations, we are not only in danger of standing still, but of going backwards. Let's trust in the promises of God and move forward. Number three, there's a danger of giving up. If, if we receive explanations that we don't like or that are incomplete, we risk giving up. In fact, we risk giving up too soon. It's always too soon to give up. Abraham is a great example of this, right? God had promised him that he, he would be the father of, of a nation. So many descendants that you won't be able to count them. And what happened? Abraham lost patience. He didn't continue to live his life and trust in God, and and they took life into their own hands, and he had a child through a different woman other than his wife. That was not God's plan. Don't give up. Keep trusting in the promises of God no matter how hard life seems. There were so many promises that God made to Abraham that he didn't actually get to see all of them fulfilled, but they were. God was true to his word. Looking back, standing still, giving up, the fourth danger of living on explanations and not promises is the danger of falling short. When the nation of Israel was on the banks of the Jordan the first time, they fell short. Why? Because they didn't trust God. They didn't stand on his promises. They didn't claim the inheritance that he had promised him. They all agreed it is a land filled, flowing with milk and honey. But 10 of the 12 spies said it couldn't be done. And the people went with the majority. That's what happens when we listen to explanations instead of the promises of God. There were some who doubted whether I was ready to be a lead pastor. My sister said to me, do you think you're ready? as if the answer might be no. Well, I for sure didn't feel adequate, and I still feel greatly inadequate at times today. But God called me, and it's been a true privilege and a blessing to be a part of so many different people's lives and journeys along the way. If I had listened to explanations and not the promise of God, I would have fallen short of his inheritance so many blessings I have received from being a pastor. 
Maybe God is calling you to move somewhere and you're resisting. You know it's him. You know he's saying, I want you to do this or I want you to go to this place. Maybe he's calling you to change jobs or to start a new business or to take a different position and you're sure that God is leading you on this deal. Walk through that door. Don't give up on it. Live on the promises, not the explanations. And finally, when we take our eyes off of Jesus and we put them on ourselves, when we stop living on the promises and start living on explanations, there is a danger of taking over. That's my big one. I want to control it. I want to know what's happening. I want to know what the next step is. I want to know what the bottom line is going to be. How much are you going to owe at the end of this year of school? And wouldn't it be a lot cheaper to go to the University of Wyoming? Right? Yes, it would. The answer to that is yes. Why would I, in my wisdom and knowledge of paying things off, want you to end your school career, or at least this part of it, owing $23,000? Well, she doesn't. Right? She wouldn't have walked through that open door if it had been up to me. And praise God it wasn't. It's not about us. It's not from us. We are tools in the hand of God. Yes, He has given us gifts, He has given us talents, and He wants us to use those. But the power has got to come from him. And when it does, we can be strong and courageous. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this encouraging word. Thank you for challenging my heart and helping me to see past steps and doors that you've opened for others. Help me in my own personal life to continue to trust you to open and close doors and to walk along with me. Help me to allow you to direct me. Help me to see that you are with me and that you inform me. Help me to be aware. Help me to search your word daily. Thank you, God, for this church family, those who are here with us, those who are with us online, those who will be listening later today. Help us, God, to be a beacon of light and hope to those people who are struggling because, because we are living with strength and courage, not out of our own selves, but out of your power. And may we be able to testify, to bear witness to that so that others may be drawn to it and that you might save them as well. In Jesus' name, amen.